Hey friends. So today, as you know, hopefully you know, is Good Friday and Easter or Resurrection Sunday is upon us. But did you know that it's also Passover? I'm sure you've already got all your weekend plans in place, but I want to share with you one beautiful thing that you can do right now to embrace more of the depth of the significance of the season from a biblical perspective. I know that your mama heart craves to slow down and simplify a little bit more to spend less, but add more meaning to all that you do. And so this is a conversation and Passover is a feast day, a feast of the Bible that you do not want to overlook. Over the years, our family has done things a little bit differently when it comes to this time of year in the fact that we focus on celebrating Passover rather than Easter. In our pursuit of truth, we've dropped some of the familiar traditions so that we can focus on the pure beauty and the heart of God's appointed times. So this has been a really good fit for our family. And today I wanted to have a real quick conversation with you or as quick as possible, because honestly, as I was thinking about this conversation and starting to prepare, there is so much depth. There is so much richness in this conversation. So I just want to give you some of the basics today. I want to go over and tell you why we as a family celebrate Passover, how we celebrate it. And I want to give you a couple beautiful ways that you can help your kids understand and embrace the spring holidays of the Bible. So do not shut this off yet. I really think you are going to be so blessed and encouraged and challenged by this conversation. And if you're listening to this episode and it's nowhere near Easter time, don't even worry. I have a printable for you that you are going to love. You're going to want to grab this and share it with your kids. It's a visual that's so valuable for all of us as believers, and it's really not limited to a date on the calendar. So you can go to nourishingmichelle.com forward slash connect And you'll see where you can grab this printable that I will tell you all about in this episode in just a minute. But first, let's open up, open up your heart, open up your mind, and just ask God for wisdom as you make memories with your family and seek to keep Jesus the center of it all. Welcome back to the Nourishing Mompreneur Podcast, where we get encouraged and empowered as we pursue our greatest potential within the walls of our home. Hey mama, my name is Michelle High, and I'm so thankful you're here. Do you feel like your life is good, but something in you feels unfulfilled? Do you feel stuck in the trenches of motherhood, exhausted and working so hard, but feeling like you're getting nowhere? Do you have big dreams you hold in your heart, but you've been living small? Are you motivated for more, but don't have the clarity or the courage to do anything about it? Do you want to discover God's best and see if it's really possible to be an excellent wife, an intentional mother, and be successful in business, all for the glory of God? As a wife of 16 years, a homeschooling mama of five, and an entrepreneur, I know exactly how you feel, every bit of it. I truly believe that the most important work you will ever do is within the walls of your home and that there is purpose in every season. If you are a fellow business-minded mama with a heart for home and a love for Jesus, let's process this journey and grow together. I've grown up as a Christian pretty much all my life, and all I've ever known is Easter, or as Christians like to say, Resurrection Sunday. It's really the same thing, so I'll just use those words interchangeably today. It was the day where we put on our best dresses. Usually when I was little, my mom would make my sisters and I these like, (laughs) matching dresses, these really dorky dresses with collars. Anyhow, 
we'd have to take that dreadful family picture in front of the cross with flowers on it that was in front of the church because back in the day when there was no iPhone, I mean, pictures were, it was a big deal. There was all this pressure and it was that once a year, this is our Easter picture. And it was so much fun. You know, maybe you know what I'm talking about. Anyhow, we go to the church service, then we go home and we'd eat a traditional American Easter meal. We'd have the ham and the corn and the potatoes and all of that. Oh, and we get our Easter basket that morning, of course, full of candies. We do the Easter egg hunt, dye the Easter eggs, all the fun American traditions that most of us know about and that many of you probably do. So fast forward to now, I'm at a point in my life I'm married and I have a family of my own. I have a couple kids at this point. And you know, when you start out, you always, you just do what you've always done. You do the things that your parents did, the things that you're used to. And we started to create our own traditions as a family. However, I don't know if you've noticed this as a mom, but have you noticed that you might parent differently than you thought that you would, or maybe you do things quite differently than your parents did? And this is not because what they did wasn't good enough, because I truly honor my parents and the wonderful mother and father that they are, because they are, they're amazing. But When it's your family and when it's your kids, you do start to think differently. You start to question. You start to think through what you're doing, how you're doing it, what you're feeding them, all of that, because our world is different and we're not raising our kids in the same world that our parents raised us in. So for many reasons, we just have to think differently and be open to change if we're going to best guide our kids in this crazy world. Okay, I digress. So my husband and I, as we began to develop our own family traditions and start to question things for ourselves and dig into the truth a little bit more, we learned some things about Easter as an American holiday that made us want to turn away from those traditions, the ones we were used to, and do things a little bit differently. And we went to the Bible for guidance in that. So hear me out. I am not trying to sway you to do anything a particular way, but rather encourage you to open up your heart to embracing more of the heart of the spring holidays from a biblical perspective. Honestly, when I first wanted to have this conversation with you, I thought, oh, this will be quick. This will be just like a good overview. But let me tell you, there is so so much more. And I could not possibly have time to share with you all that there is. This is not a conversation to debate. I'm not a theologian. I want you to do your own research. Please do your own research if you have questions for yourself or for your family and what's best for you. But I just want to tell you a little bit of what I've learned over the years and bring you along with a glimpse of where we're at now. And I think it's really beautiful and significant. You know, my husband and I, Tyler, We want nothing more than to raise our kids in truth when it comes to the holidays. And we've chosen to intentionally remember and celebrate the Feast of the Bible. And Passover is one of them. In fact, it's probably our family's favorite. We just have such a good time with this. And it is so special to our family. So let me first say, what is Passover? I probably should clarify that if you're like, hmm, actually, I'll tell you what, I was in Hobby Lobby yesterday and I was looking at the decorations and I asked somebody, do you have any like Passover decorations? And she's like, what is that? And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I forgot, like not, and it's really hard because there was nothing there. Everything was Easter. Everything was bunnies and eggs. You could find some crosses, but there were still eggs and 
Easter stuff attached to it. You just couldn't find anything that was specifically for Passover or more laid out as the Bible would prescribe it, I should say. So let me just clarify what is Passover. So Passover, it's the name of the festival. In Hebrew, it's called Pesach. And that means passing over or protection. It comes from the instructions given to Moses by God when he was chosen to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. So you probably know the story pretty well. But basically, this is back in Exodus in the Bible. God called Moses to let his people go. He wanted to set the Israelites free from the bondage of slavery as they were living in Egypt. And so he went in and you know this story. Moses is going to Pharaoh time and time again saying, Pharaoh, let my people go. Pharaoh's heart is hardened. He's not responding. The Lord is sending plague after plague. And it all culminates at Passover. And the very last plague, when the angel of death is coming to kill all of the firstborn sons, this is it. This is the last straw. This is the last hurdle before their freedom. And the thing that's actually going to break Pharaoh and allow him to let the people go. It's the last plague. And God gives some specific instructions to his people. He gives them very detailed instructions. He tells them to have a particular meal, to kill a lamb and put the blood on the doorpost, and just to follow through these motions. And I always think about the Israelites and what they must have been thinking. I mean, it just didn't make sense to them. They had never done anything like this before. It was one of those things where they needed to obey without question, because if they didn't, it could cost them their lives, the lives of their children. And so it is so important that we always obey what God is asking, even when it doesn't make sense, because we may not know till later. But in their act of obedience, as they had this very first Passover dinner, and they took the blood of the lamb and put it over the doorpost, it is that sign, it is the blood of the lamb that allowed the angel of death to pass over their house and spare their lives and spare the lives of their children. And ultimately, this fueled and led to their deliverance. So this is a very significant night for us as God's people, for the history of believers, and for what happened in Exodus when the Lord set his people free from Egypt. It is so important to remember this night because the sacrifice of the lamb and the blood on the doorpost, it gives this night all of its meaning. And the cool thing is that in Christ, Now it's his blood shed on the cross that covers our hearts, the doorpost of our hearts that marks us and saves us and leads us to our freedom. So there is absolute significance in Passover and in remembering. Passover to me is a meal of remembrance. And you know, when you read the Bible time and time again, the Lord is telling them they build their altars and he's always telling them, remember, remember, because as people, we forget so quickly. We forget God's goodness. We forget what he's done. We forget his faithfulness when we're caught up in the moment or when the things that we see or the things that we're going through seem really dark and difficult. And so Passover is a way to stop and to remember not only who God is and what he's done in the past, but who he is to us today and how he saved and redeemed us by the blood and the sacrifice of him being the Passover lamb and becoming the lamb to us. 
God directs us this night as parents to teach our children and pass down his story of the Exodus from Egypt to future generations. It not only looks back at the miraculous story of God delivering his people from Egypt, but it points to the promise of the Messiah, his death and resurrection. So this is kind of what it's all about. And I want to help piece these two together so that you can get a bigger picture and get more significance and capture the beauty of this very weekend. So I'll explain a little bit more about how Jesus was the fulfillment of prophecy when he became the Passover land. I'll tell you more about that. But this meal, Passover, there's actually the meal itself is called a Seder, which means order. So there's this order of events that you can have. It's an exciting experience of a meal where you can use a variety of special foods associated with the bitterness of slavery and the sweetness of freedom to remember the story of God's people being delivered from Egypt. So a lot of times when people celebrate Passover or have a Passover meal, they'll have what's called a Seder. And so they use different foods to kind of guide them through remembering this story of the Bible. So let me just tell you a little bit of why we, as in my family, (laughs) celebrate Passover. And we have done for about, I think, 10 years now. So this has really become a part of our family, a part of our traditions. In fact, just like, you know, when it's Christmas time, the kids are like, oh, these are our traditions. These are the things we always do. This is what I look forward to. Our kids feel that way about Passover because we've just established this as part of our family, as part of our yearly rhythm, as part of our culture. And just one of the things that we do because it is really special to us. And I want um, to share a little bit about that with you today. So a few reasons why we celebrate Passover is because, number one, we want to do Bible things in Bible ways, honestly. And the Bible specifically prescribes Passover. You're not going to find the word Easter anywhere in the Bible. I'm just saying. (laughs) But it does talk about Passover. So we can look at scripture and see what was Passover and what did God actually say about it? What was laid out in scripture? And the reality is, is that We're God's chosen people. So we are his people and we can partake in those things. So I'll read a little bit. Exodus 12, 14. It says, this day shall be for you a memorial day and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations as a statute forever. You shall keep it as a feast. And then it continues to verse 25. And it it says, and when you come to the land that the Lord will give you, As he promised, you shall keep this service. Talking about keeping Passover, remembering Passover. It says, and when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? You shall say, it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover. For he passed over the houses of the people of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians, but spared our houses. And then it finishes and says, and the people bowed their heads and worshiped. So the Bible says, hey, Teach it to your children and keep it from generation to generation. And when they ask, why do you keep this? Teach them why and teach them what it means and show them, point them to what I've already done. Okay, the second reason that I'll say that we celebrate Passover is because, well, Jesus and his disciples celebrated Passover. And honestly, if Jesus did it, then that's an example that I want to follow. And the way I look at it is it's not a Jewish thing. It's a Jesus thing. It says in the Bible, it says on the preparation day before the Passover, Jesus sent Peter and John before him to prepare for the Passover. 
Jesus ate his last Passover meal in the upper room in the evening in accordance with the original Passover observance in the Bible. So there are a ton of references actually where you can see Passover celebrated and remembered all through scripture, but specifically fast forward to the life of Jesus. He celebrated the Feast of the Bible and he specifically celebrated Passover. And we know about this and we hear about it the most on the night before his crucifixion. That's what he was doing in the upper room. That was the quote, last supper. He was having a Passover meal with his disciples. Says Jesus celebrated. I'm kind of bouncing between my thoughts and my notes because I had to kind of organize this one. This was like a big conversation to tackle more than I thought. So I want to give you guys the most simple explanation and the heart of it all, because that's really what we're after is our heart set and our mindset aligning with that of the father, but also um, wanting to bring some good information to you as well. So anyhow, I wrote, Jesus celebrated the Passover meal. And it's one of the ways as believers, we can follow in the ways of Jesus. What happened was Jesus became the fulfillment of the Passover lamb. And he added to the meal when he told his disciples that whenever they ate the Passover, when they broke the bread, the unleavened bread, and they drank the cup of wine, they should remember him. And so actually in the Passover ceremony, the cup, the cup of wine or juice, whatever you do, it's called the cup of redemption. So again, there's so much significance to every detail. God is such a detailed God. And so there's a lot of detail that can be brought into a Passover meal or a Passover Seder. So it's really neat. But I will bring up the fact that this is different than communion. You know, we do communion, we break, we eat the bread and we drink from the cup. And that's something that we do in remembrance of him. But that's different than Passover. Passover is actually a feast of the Bible. It's actually an appointed time. There's a specific time that God appointed for Passover. And Passover is a meal that we celebrate at that appointed time. It says the biblical holidays were instituted by God and they're not a matter of salvation, but rather an opportunity to remember and honor who God is, what he's done and what he's going to do. Another thing I mentioned is that the disciples celebrated Passover. And so in 1 Corinthians 5, 7, and 8, you can see that the Apostle Paul, he directed the church of Corinth, which was predominantly Gentile. So these were not Jewish people, right? He directed them to keep the feast of Passover. And so this was about roughly 30 years after the death of Jesus, when most Christians might believe that Passover Um, or these celebrations had ended. So Paul, at this time, he was still highly motivated to celebrate the spring feast of the Bible, but with the right spirit, with the focus being on the new covenant and the finished work of Christ. So still remembering Passover and embracing the significance among Jews and Gentiles, but keeping the main thing, the main thing, and putting the focus on Christ, who is the Passover lamb. Okay, another reason why our family chooses to celebrate Passover is because, you know, it's so pure. There is no distraction about Easter bunnies or candy or handcrafting the most perfect Easter baskets, whatever it is, because it's all about the death and resurrection of Jesus. It just keeps the main thing the main thing. And I know as a mom, I want things to be simple. I want things to be focused on the Lord. I don't want to get caught up in so many American traditions, if you will, where it just, 
uh, you know, this is like a whole nother tangent, but it can cost a lot of money. And there's just a lot of stuff that has nothing to do with, <laughs> there's a lot of things we do around Easter time that have nothing at all to do with Christ, that have nothing at all to do with any of that. And it adds a lot of stress and chaos to our life. And I think in many ways it can dilute and even pollute the purity of what we're actually remembering and honoring and celebrating and the truth of the gospel. And I just want to teach my kids the truth, the pure truth, and I don't want to get it all confused or have them be distracted with other things. And so whenever I look at Passover and I focus on that, it's just everything points them to Christ without all the extras, if you will. And so for us, I want to create our family memories, form it around the focus being on Christ and not have other traditions be distractions from what this is all about, like I just said. So we have a lot of things that we do the week of Passover, a lot of family traditions and fun things that we do, but it's all formed around the truth of the gospel. It's not kind of the other way around, if you will. Okay. <laughs> Again, this is me sharing what I personally, the way I see it and what we do as a family. All right. Okay. Another reason is because Passover, another reason why we celebrate Passover is because it gives a more full picture of God's plan and the fulfillment of prophecy. Easter and Resurrection Sunday, it focuses more on the resurrection, but Passover, it gives you the context of the price that was paid for our freedom. Each of the spring holidays in the Bible, it's a picture of Christ's first coming and Jesus was sacrificed for our sins on Passover. He was buried on unleavened bread and he rose on first fruit. So there's three main spring feast days and they all kind of go together. And then what's cool about biblical holidays is the fall holidays are a picture of his second coming. So everything about remembering and celebrating the feast of the Bible, the ones that are laid out in scripture, is they all point to what Christ has already done and what he's going to do. And that is what's so beautiful about it to me. And ultimately, when we understand the richness of the Hebraic culture, right, because that is the world that Jesus lived in, it helps the Bible make more sense. It helps us understand God better. And knowing God, it encourages a right view of him and it fuels a deeper relationship with him because it's all about knowing him, knowing him better through the scriptures and through the word of God. It all points to Christ and any opportunity to teach the kids about the word of God, to point them to Christ and to make a special family memory in the process. I mean, that's pretty awesome to me. So I say, why not? Why not? Okay. <laughs> so those are some of my reasons why we celebrate Passover. And I will just tell you a little bit of how we celebrate Passover. Okay. So I'll just say, just like anything, how we celebrate and remember Passover, it has evolved a lot over the years. When we first started learning about it, we started naturally exchanging a lot of the American traditions that we grew up with for a lot of Jewish traditions. And we were more religious about it, if you will. Again, there was nothing wrong with how we were doing it. But at the end of the day, I really want to focus on the heart of the matter and not get lost in just doing things and going through the motions, even if they're good things. I really care about that. And I remember the very first Passover Seder we ever did. We were with a group of people and it was it was really fun and it was good. But man, I have young children and it. We went through like this formal, traditional Seder, probably the most that I've ever done before. 
and it felt like it was like four hours long. It was just very, very long. And the kids were like dying by the end of it. I'm like, wait a minute. I just really want to make sure that they're connecting with what we're actually doing. There are certain traditions that we have always done and will continue to do. But now I really prioritize the heart of it all and turning our hearts towards the Lord in the process rather than getting caught up in doing everything, quote, the right way. And this is about finding freedom and significance in the feast of the Bible or the biblical holidays and not getting caught up in tradition, whether it's American or Jewish. And listen, this is a personal family decision. So please don't take offense if you're a practicing Jew. I honor, I honor what you do and how you celebrate Passover with intentionality and um, with just so many beautiful details. I think it's amazing, but this is just where I've landed for my family. And every year does look a little bit different, but we always take a week to remember. I say a week because Passover, Passover is technically a meal, but the entire week, some people refer to Passover as the whole week of Passover, but it's really the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So Passover falls within the the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And so this year, it's sundown, April 15th, 2022, to April 23rd. And it's held during the Hebrew month of Nisan. It refers to, like I said, Passover is a meal of remembrance. And the Feast of Unleavened Bread is kind of the entire seven or eight day holiday. So that's how we kind of do things. But we take the whole week to remember because it's just too much to do in one night and one day, like it just, we just kind of baby step through the week and we take each day of the week and we learn a piece and we remember a piece and we savor a piece of it. It's like this beautiful, I don't know, say it's a pie. I don't want to just shove it down my kid's throat or I don't want to inhale it. I, like I'm in a pie eating contest. I want to take a, a piece every day and I want to savor it and I want to enjoy every aspect of it because this is a really, really sweet time and it's really beautiful. So some of the things that we do throughout the week to pace ourselves, and like I said, to savor the significance is we always read the Old Testament account of Exodus. That is one of the things that we do. Um, I love reading it in my kids' Bible. I think it's called the Action Bible. I love it. It's got really cool pictures. It gives like the fullness of the story. Um, it's not like a kid version, but it's not the full long, long version. Like it's just a great, it's a great read. So we love reading it and that specifically. And we always read about the first Passover in the Bible, the one in the Old Testament with the account of Exodus and Moses and the plagues. I always go over the plagues with the kids. We kind of memorize those. And I remember when they were little doing so many fun things with them. I remember one of the first times we were talking about it, we lived in the mountains of North Carolina. And I remember we had all these rocks in our driveway and I took the kids outside and we took rocks and we were like throwing them in the air, pretending like they were a hail, like crazy things. We just did a lot of little things to have fun, to make memories and just to remember the word of God and what God's already done. We always decorate the house as well. In fact, it's funny, even as the kids get older, the way they just go crazy with it. I let them do whatever they want to do. I'm like, I even asked them this year, do you guys want to decorate? What do you want to do? And so I went yesterday and got them some supplies. So I'm going to let them do what they want to do with that. But it's something fun that they get to take ownership of and they get to celebrate and just have fun with it. We also clean the house. I know that part of 
celebrating and remembering the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which is a whole other conversation, is about taking the leaven out of your house, which, which represents sin. So we would kind of go through and take out any ingredients or any items that had leaven in them from the kitchen. And so just cleaning house, you know, there's that saying spring cleaning. Well, it really comes from this idea of cleaning out the leaven from Feast of Unleavened Bread. Okay. Now, as far as the Passover dinner, Passover dinner, traditionally, it's with lamb and unleavened bread and all of that. But I, from the beginning, I'm a little bit of a rebel. And I just was like, this is really hard. This is overwhelming. I don't know anything about this. And so I said, I don't want to do anything traditional. We're having Passover pizza. (laughs) So we make, it is our family tradition from the beginning for the past 10 years that we make Passover pizza. So that is our very formal, fancy Passover dinner. And, um, of course there's no leaven in the crust. So that's like always the thing. And so we make homemade pizza together. We take the day to decorate the house, to clean, to get ready. The kids always want to put on their best dress. So we always dress up, even though it's just us as a family, we make homemade pizza together. Um, the table in the dining room is always decorated, very special. The kids, the girls help set the table pretty. We like candles. We just make it a really beautiful evening. I have a friend who even has her Passover dinner on the floor where they're reclining and lounging, much like Jesus would have done back um, in Bible times. So it's a special night for us. And then after our Passover pizza, we actually, our dessert is Passover pizza, dessert pizza. And so I make pancakes without the leaven in them. And then we have all kinds of fruits and chocolates and toppings and whipped cream. And kind of the big thing at the end of the night, I guess I'm just talking about food here, <laughs> is there always ends up with like a whipped cream fight. And so that's like, it happened organically one year and the kids will not let it go. So it usually ends up with dad getting smothered in whipped cream. And that's kind of, that's just, that's the expectation. So that's a little bit about our family dinner as far as the food goes. But we start out on Passover and we read about the first Exodus and the first Passover. And a lot of times, oh gosh, there's just so many things, guys. <laughs> I'm gonna try to get to the point. There's times where we've done a traditional Passover Seder plate where we have all the different elements and we actually go through a Haggadah and like a formal Passover order of events, if you will. Um, and then sometimes we just have a few of the main elements on the plate as we read over the story in Exodus. We'll just use the parsley and um, the salt water and the cheriset we make. Again, you got to do your research and study, but we just have some different elements that help us kind of remember and go along with the story. And then we read about the death of Jesus and we talk about the Last Supper and the Passover meal that he partook in. And that was the meal right before his crucifixion. So we talk about that night and we go through that. A couple other things that we do, and this is at this point in time, one of the best and easiest things that you could do just to remember the first Passover with your kids and really just have fun with it is watch The Prince of Egypt with your kids. It's a great movie. Do that. Another thing we've done before is, I don't know, I've just never really done a lot of Easter egg hunts with my kids, not since they were like little, little, um, and not since we started doing Passover, but we'll do like matzah hunts where I just take unleavened bread and I'll put it in like a Ziploc bag and hide it. And I know there's not like a whole bunch of candy in that, but I'm not, 
all about the candy. I'd prefer not giving my kids all the candy, but they still think it's fun. And we've had fun with that over the years. So I know that's like kind of different and cheesy, but that is just something that we've done. So when it comes to the week, we also do a lot of unleavened bread. It's part of our decorations at the house. We'll make like matzo sandwiches. There's this dessert called matzo crack. You need to look it up. It's phenomenal. It's addicting. And we'll do that on Resurrection Sunday. Sometimes we'll make resurrection rolls. And we, of course, talk about the resurrection. So we we use Passover to talk about the first Passover, to talk about the death of Christ, to go over that whole aspect. And then when it gets to Resurrection Sunday or Easter, whatever you call it, we talk about him um, being risen from the dead and all of the significance with that aspect of it. And I actually have a video that I did. I'm going to put it up on YouTube so you can, I'll leave the link in the show notes, but watch it with your kids. It's a really cool little science experiment that it explains Jesus and how he washes our sins away. And so I'm just going to leave that there with you. You'll have to go look it up, but it's something really simple that I did with the kids. I think I did this like three years ago. It's kind of a poor quality video, but check it out. It's something awesome that you can watch with your kids just to give them a really good visual because we can learn by listening, but when we learn by doing and partaking and having fun memories around it, we can remember it so much better. There's one thing I want to mention, though. There's one thing I want to highlight, I should say, about Passover that we started doing a few years back. And it is probably, to me, one of the most special, beautiful things that we do in this evening. It is we do a foot washing as a family. And it's just this time where we have a chair and we all take turns sitting there and we wash each other's feet. And the reason we do it is because. Jesus washed his disciples' feet. And there's so much significance and there's so much beauty in this. And honestly, it's like one of the most, it makes me want to cry thinking about it. I always cry because, and especially when my husband washes my feet, he always like reads Proverbs 31. Like he's just so sweet. Like it's just, I can't explain it. It's a personal thing. It's a family thing, but it's just a really, really precious, beautiful time for our family. And, um, It's not something we ever grew up doing. I've never done it in a church. It's not something I knew much about, but it's something that was a big part of Jesus's Passover meal right before he was crucified. So I think it's really important to acknowledge that. And there's something really beautiful about doing that as a family. And I just want to read a little bit from John 13 about this exact scene in the Bible. So just pause your heart for a moment and listen into the word of God and just hear his love in this act. It says, Jesus knew that the night before Passover would be his last night on earth before leaving this world to return to the Father's side. All throughout his time with the disciples, Jesus had demonstrated a deep and tender love for them. And now he longed to show them the full measure of his love continues. So he got up from the meal and took off his outer robe and he took a towel and wrapped it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' dirty feet and dry them with his towel. And I think it's so special because Jesus, knowing full well what he was about to have to go through, knowing the time, knowing the significance, understanding what was at stake, and also understanding that The man that's betraying him is right in front of him and he's choosing to wash his feet in the midst. I mean, I can't explain the power of love that that reveals. And it's really, really special. And it's really important to remember about this night. 
John 13, 14 through 17 says, this is Jesus speaking. So if I'm your teacher and Lord and have just washed your dirty feet, then you should follow the example that I've set for you and wash one another's dirty feet. Now do for each other what I have just done for you. I speak to you timeless truth. A servant is not superior to his master and an apostle is never greater than the one who sent him. So now put into practice what I have done for you and you will experience a life of happiness enriched with untold blessings. God's love is so pure and he desires us to be like him. He desires us to be a people marked by humility and marked by purity. And that's who he was. And we can follow in his example. And for us, a foot washing is a beautiful time to embrace the heart of Jesus in this way. So the last thing I want to mention is how I would encourage you to celebrate Passover right now. I know that I might be springing this conversation on you out of nowhere. I know there's not a lot of time. If you're listening to it today on Passover, there's not a lot of time to start planning and maybe creating all these traditions. So keep things simple. You don't have to do anything. Just focus your heart and fix your heart on the full picture, on the prophetic vision of what Jesus did what God did in the first Passover and what Jesus did becoming the Passover lamb and just bring that beauty to it. So of all the things that I could tell you, I hope that you got some ideas from maybe what we do to enrich your weekend with the word of God a bit more. But I want to share you one of my with you one of my favorite things that you can do to celebrate Passover this weekend or to celebrate Easter or Resurrection Sunday, whatever you call it. And whenever you're hearing this, do this now, like do it now. It's not too late and it's all important. Okay, so there is this handout that I'm gonna share with you. You can go to the website and download it. I've put it together for you. I've spoken with the author and have complete permission to share this, just disclaimer there on that. But it is this beautiful chart, and it just explains as a visual the significance of Passover. So what it looks like is this. I'm looking at it, and I'm just going to run over it with you, and I want to encourage you to take hold of this and share this with your family as the one thing that you can do to really remember Passover and to really pull in the significance of this feast day right now. Okay, so what it looks like is there's two columns and one column going down is the Passover observance and the other column is the messianic significance or the significance for us as believers. Okay, and it just shows how it parallels and how it lines up. So I'm going to read. So the first one says the Passover observance is that the lamb was without blemish. The significance to us is that Jesus was examined and found without blemish. This is how the first Passover and Jesus becoming the Passover lamb connects. Okay, I'm connecting this for you. I hope you can follow me, but you'll be able to see this with your own eyes in a minute. Okay, the next one. The lamb was a male of the first year. For us, the significance, Jesus was the firstborn son of God. In Exodus, the lamb was set aside for four days on the 10th of Nisan. Likewise, Jesus entered Jerusalem and the temple on public display for four days on the 10th of Nisan. This is when he entered with the palm branches and all that. Okay, 
the penalty was imposed the moment the lamb was chosen. So when they chose the lamb before Passover and Exodus, it was already chosen that his fate was to be their dinner. <laughs> it was going to be sacrificed. That was his role. That was the um, the punishment that was imposed there. And Christ received the death penalty for our sin before he was born. That was his purpose. He came to die to save us. All right, the Passover observance. The lamb was killed between the evening at 3 p.m. This is so cool. Jesus died in the seventh hour at 3 p.m. So the exact same time that the Passover lambs would have been slain for Passover is the exact same time that Jesus died on the cross and became our Passover lamb. I think that is incredible. Another thing, the lamb's bones were not broken. This was specific instructions the Israelites had. And likewise, Jesus' bones were not broken. The blood of the lamb applied to the door saved the Israelites' firstborn. And it's the blood of Christ that saves us. The instructions were the body of the lamb must be eaten the same night. And Jesus was crucified, suffered, and died in the same night. On the first Passover, no work was to be done on Passover. The Israelites could not save themselves. Even if they should have spent all night in prayer, the destroying angel would have broken in upon them and slain their firstborn if the blood was not on the door. It was only the blood that allowed the angel of death to pass over and that saved them. And likewise for us as believers, it's the blood of Jesus that saves us, not our works. And that, my friends, is why. That is why we get to walk in freedom. That is why we get to walk in truth. That is why we have eternity with him. He gave his life for us. He became the Passover lamb. He sacrificed his life for our freedom so that we might be saved. And this is the beauty of Passover and of his death and resurrection. So I hope that you will go to my website. You can I'll find the link in the show notes below if you're listening. If you got if you get my emails, but you should be on the list, you'll get it in the email. But go to nourishingmichelle.com forward slash connect and click on the tab to download this visual, this chart where it just pulls together the first Passover with the significance for us as believers and with Jesus becoming the Passover lamb. This is a time of remembrance. Before you get caught up in all the festivities or all the Easter celebrations, remember to remember what God has done and who he's been in your life and the price that he paid and also who he's going to be and how he's going to come back for us and what his promises are. Not just now, not just promises fulfilled, but promises to come. This is a sacred time to be savored. And Passover is an appointed time in the Bible. It was his desire. It was God's desire. It was his design that we remember. And I think it's a beautiful thing to follow in those footsteps in the, in the way he leads us in that way. What he's done, how he's fulfilled his promises, and how he's become the Passover lamb for our freedom. So I am just so excited to take some time to celebrate with my family 
tonight. It's going to be a beautiful time. It always is. And like I said, every year looks different, but I really want to capture the heart of it. And I hope that some of these ideas and some of my experience and what I've learned will open up your eyes and open up your heart to maybe trying something a little bit different this year and just embracing the richness of the gospel and the full picture of the Old Testament and the New Testament and how it all comes together so beautifully during this very time. I want to mention, if you get my email, I'm going to share as many as I can some Passover pictures of our family through the years. We have so many memories, and I always take a lot of pictures. But if you want to, go to my Facebook page. Be Snoopy. Go to the photo albums. And if you can look for some Passover, I don't know, it'll probably say Passover. But you'll see pictures over the years of how our family celebrated Passover, what we do, what it looks like. And you can just kind of share the story with us. So that's an awesome thing. Like I said, I'll leave a a link to a YouTube video in the show notes below so that you can watch a little video to give your kids a visual of Jesus and how he washes us clean of our sin and the sacrifice that he made and what it actually means to us as believers. And then of course, print this handout out for you. And oh, the book that I've gotten a lot of this information from, or that has helped me over the years, I should say, just kind of as a guide point for helping me learn a little bit more. Um, It's called A Family Guide to Biblical Holidays. Um, It's by Robin Sampson and Linda Pierce. I had gotten this many years ago. It's a purple book. And it just kind of helped me in a real simple way walk through a lot of the feasts of the Bible. So that's a great book. And I just wanted to reference that because that is the thing that I kind of always look at every year as I prepare our family to celebrate Passover. So let me just bless you and pray for you before we go. Thank you for listening. And I'm just excited for what God is doing in your life. I know he's working. I know he's moving. I know that something in faith, I believe that something in this conversation has just drawn you a little deeper or challenged you a little further. And I just encourage you to go with it, to run with it, and to press in to what God is speaking to you and what he's doing in your life. So, Father God, I just thank you so much for who you are, Lord. Lord, I thank you that you are the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, Lord. I thank you that you love your people and you set your people free back in Egypt many, many years ago, Lord. And I thank you that it was their faith and their obedience and the blood of the Lamb that saved their lives, Lord. But I thank you that today as believers, Lord, In faith, it is your blood as we put our faith in you that covers the doorposts of our hearts, Lord, that marks us with purity, that gives us the strength to walk in humility, to become like you, Lord, and to receive the salvation that you died for to give us, Lord. Thank you for your freedom. Thank you for the hope of a future that we find in you, Lord. Thank you for the opportunity to know you, to have a relationship with you, that it is nothing in our might and in our strength that we can do to save ourselves. There's nothing that we can do to be righteous and holy and to make ourselves pure. It is only your blood washing us and us receiving what you, the sacrifice that you made that that washes us clean and that allows us to walk right and pure before you and to receive salvation, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness. Thank you for the price that you pay, Lord. 
Lord, we look to you and we ask that you would continue to work in our hearts, transform us to look more like you, Lord, and be with us as mothers every day, but especially right now during this time. Help us to guide our families and teach our children the ways of the word, the ways of the Lord, God. Give us wisdom to train our children in truth, Father. Just breathe on us, breathe on our homes, Lord, and um, we invite your presence into our weekend, into our celebrations, into our family dinners, and just into our lives day after day, Father. We honor you and we give you glory and we worship you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Hey mama, real quick before you run off and do all the things, if you found value in today's conversation, it would mean the world to me if you left a review and subscribed to my podcast. I know you know how precious time is. The biggest thank you you can give me for taking the time to share on this podcast is to leave a written review. This helps me on my mission to encourage and empower others who are pursuing their greatest potential from home. So head over to iTunes, scroll down to the bottom of the Nourishing Mompreneur podcast to rate and leave a super quick review to let me know what spoke to your heart. And if you're feeling a little extra today, take a screenshot of today's episode and tag me on social. I value your time so much and appreciate you connecting with me. Find me at nourishingmichelle.com forward slash connect. 